Welcome to another episode of Chip Chats. I'm your host, Chip Midnight. On this episode, I chat with Armored Saint lead singer John Bush in the midst of the band's nearly sold-out tour with Wasp. Just to note, this interview was done before John was sidelined for a few gigs a few weeks ago due to being sick. I was first introduced to Armored Saint's music in the mid-80s via the delirious Nomad cassette that I bought after seeing either a feature or an ad in either Hit Parader or Circus Magazine. While Armored Saint wasn't a thrash band, they were closer to peers like Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Overkill, Anthrax, Exodus, the list goes on and on, than they were with the lipstick and leather bands that they were competing with on the Sunset Strip. The metal genre hadn't quite splintered at that point, and Armored Saint was playing shows with everybody from bands like Metallica and Wasp all the way to bands like Rat, and they seemed to fit in regardless of who they were playing with. In 1992, John replaced Joey Belladonna in Anthrax, and while Anthrax's best album is up for debate, when I want to hear the band, the first album I always pull out is the first one that John appeared on, The Sound of White Noise. John's Anthrax gig put Armored Saint on hold for almost a decade. The band then took another break between 2003 and 2008, but since that time have released three studio albums and a live album, including the excellent 2020 release Punching the Sky, which, if you attend one of their upcoming shows with Moth, you're likely to hear a few songs from. I sincerely appreciate John calling in from the band's tour bus in Texas and taking some time to chat. As you're going to hear, he's one of the most humble artists that I've had the chance to speak with. I've been watching interviews and, and listening to interviews and reading interviews with you, and uh, I think many of the people that talk to you are in the same boat as I am that have been around for quite a while and, and <laughs> were fans and have been fans for quite a long time. Uh, you always come across as just like this super fan-friendly kind of nice guy. So, uh, <laughs> so keep it up, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, but it seems like you don't mind doing this kind of stuff. I mean, look, you're wanting to talk about the music I make and the 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 craft that I have with songs and making records and doing shows. I mean, how can I bitch about that? It makes no sense at all. I've, I've seen it. Don't get me wrong. I, I've probably been in moments when I didn't really want to do an interview or after like three or four in a day, I, I'm kind of done. But, you know, again, how can I get mad or be annoyed by somebody who's promoting what I do? And that makes no sense at all. It would just be completely illogical. Had this tour not come up, would Armand Sand have been on the road right now or looking at dates in 2023, or was it really the chance to, to go on a tour with Wasp is the reason for you to be on the road? Well, that's a good question, actually. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. What would we be? Um, you know, we never did any dates in conjunction with Punching the Sky, which was really a bummer for obvious reasons. We won't even address that because everybody else didn't do dates either. So we certainly weren't alone. But, um, yeah, I think that was uh, – we obviously are happy to go out and like kind of promote a record that's not necessarily new, but it was our most, most recent. Um, to do the dates with Wasp sounded like a great idea. The dates have superseded anything that we could imagine in terms of how the, uh, the uh, excitement is and the way the tickets have sold. I mean, three of the first four shows were sold out, uh, the alone one being Tempe, which is still was an awesome show. So, um, it's like, wow, I, we can't even believe it. Um, you know, obviously there's a big buzz surrounding Wasp because they haven't toured in, I don't think they've been like a legitimate tour in 15 years or something like that. So there's a certain excitement of that. Certainly Sane has played around the country and the world in the last, you know, 10 years a lot. 
But there's still a lot of territories we still never played. As a matter of fact, Albuquerque the other night, the last show we did, we hadn't played there since Delirious Nomad in 1986. So there's certainly a lot of places that we haven't played in a long time as well. And yeah. um, I think that's, that's just getting a lot of people excited. I mean, there's two schools of thought, of course, when it comes to touring and playing. Is one, you saturate yourself, and the other is you you don't do that. You do the opposite. And because that's kind of the scenario we're in, we're just <laughs> we're going with that one. Right. Well, I am I am a Wasp fan, and I was you know excited to see that day. But I will be totally honest in seeing you on the bill as well. I mean, that was an instant. I was going to go anyway, but that was definitely. Uh, an instant sell because I've never seen you live. I don't know. Like I said, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and um, you know, raising kids, you don't, you don't, you, you miss out on some of those years where you used to go see shows as your kids are, you know, young. Um, but I don't remember the last time you played here. If you have played here in, we we played there many times. I mean, we played the Newport Music Hall a yep. bunch of times back in the day. I certainly played there with Anthrax. Yeah. Um, we the last time that I think we played Columbus, if I'm not mistaken, was probably the Al Rosa and. Yeah. Um, that was maybe on Revelation. Um, if I went to setlistfm.com, which I love that website, yeah. it's on it today, as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I, I'd be able to figure out when the last time we played Columbus. But I think that might have been the last time. Okay. So it's been a while since we played yeah. Columbus. Uh, awesome. So, so we're due. Yeah, yeah. So I know we're talking to bands. There, there are some bands that, that tell me that it takes a few days to get kind of firing on all cylinders once a tour starts. Uh, you guys have been together on and off for, for 40 years. Uh, do, is it still the first week, I don't want to call them jitters, or the first week shaking things off? Or, or are you guys, on, on, on this tour, show one, was it as good as it's going to get and keep getting better? Well, it was weird. Like, we, we played the first four shows in a row, and it felt like we were on the road for like a month. It was yeah. weird. Not in a bad way at all it was just um i really don't know why i can't really put my finger on it we just we it felt like we had toured we had been on the road a lot we probably did the most rehearsal we've done in a long time for a tour because we had to incorporate a couple of new songs that we wanted to play of course and so we had to kind of learn them as a band which makes sense um uh so i don't know maybe that maybe that coupled with um you know it just it just kind of felt like like riding a bike almost. It felt like we were um, we had been on the road. Like after the second show, it was like we felt like we had been out two weeks. It was so yeah. weird. So um, you know, I mean, we're pros, we're veterans, we've been doing this a long time. So it's not like there's anything new to this. Um, you know, it's there's aspects of things that are new. Working with new crew, people. Um, you know, like I said, incorporating new tunes. Uh, you, you name it. But the reality is, is that um, it should be like riding a bike, and it is, and it's been great. It's been really, um, it's it's been really, like I said, it's kind of uh, ex- exceeded all our expectations so far. Yeah, and I think it helps too, right? A, a fairly consistent lineup. You're not bringing on new people and, and grabbing people off the street to come in. That you guys have a pretty pretty good comfortability. Comfortability is that a word? <laughs> a very good comfort with each other. Well, I mean, it's been the same. It's been the same guy since '91. You know, right. and other than that, it was Dave Pritchard who died and. 1990, and um, other than that, it's really just been the same six guys, which yeah. is really, really cool. I, I always champion that kind of thing because I think it's awesome. You know, we don't, we're not a band that has a bunch of people rotating in and out, and I get it, you know, especially bands have been around a long time, they kind of do that, but 
it's just not our vibe. You know, the same thing goes back way back. It goes back before we even were a band. I mean, we've been friends since we were little kids. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, there's a special quality to that. Yeah. What is I there... on, by the way, as we were talking, I went to, uh, cause I had a set list already pulled yep. up. Yep. So I went and it's weird because it doesn't even have that Al Rosa show. And I know we played there. <laughs> I was certain of it in Revelation. The yeah. last show it says that we played there was Newport Music Hall in 87. So that's not right because we definitely played, like I said, on that tour because I played Al Rosa. And, yeah. Well, it's kind of a, unfortunately, it has a sad infamy to it. But, um, yeah, we definitely played there. But it, it, regardless, it's been a long time. Yeah. Has there been anything on the tour so far, and I know it's just a couple of dates in, but anything that's surprised you? Well, Blackie is being super nice. I guess that's not really a surprise. He's just being really kind. All the Wasp crew, the band, everyone's been super nice. Um, you know, I, maybe there's a little surprise because, you know, we didn't know how he was going to be. Um, actually, prior to the tour, he's been nothing but nice and just really fired up. And I think the date doing well and the vibe around it has made him happier. And, um, you know, I that's the thing. Surprise. Um Maybe on the amount of merchandise we sold, that's kind of been a slight surprise, which is a great surprise. Um, hopefully, we can keep that up today. We had MSG, Mike Schenker Group, to the bill for the, the Texas show. So yeah. we're going to be competing with one another on that <laughs> level. But uh, whatever, it is what it is. That, that's so funny that literally the next question I have written down is uh, that most people that I know make a beeline to the merch table as soon as they get into the venue. So I was wondering, what, what do you have available on this tour? Oh, well, you know, we got your standard fare. We got T-shirts. We've got some uh, records, some CDs of uh, a bunch of different records um, you know, from March of the Saint and Delirious and Raising Fear that have been reissued by Metal Blade to Punch in the Sky, the new record, of course. Um, we've got some hoodies. Uh, what else do we have, Joey? He's walking by me. We got, I just told I said CDs. Yeah, mostly just, you know, T-shirts, hoodies, and some oh, some drum heads that are really cool. Those are a hot item right now. We've sold a lot of those. As a matter of fact, we might be sold out. I think we're waiting for a free or um, a new shipment and of that. People yeah. seem to really dig those things. Very cool. So I know that in some of the interviews I've heard you say, and I think maybe this is why you were looking at setlist that you don't necessarily want to play the same set every night. Have you done that so far? Have you played the same set every night so far on the tour? Um, we changed it. The, well, we played one set, then the next night we changed one song, then the next night we changed another song, and then the, the, the third and fourth show we played the same set. Um, I think we'll probably, I don't know about tonight yet, I'm still kind of mulling that over. Um, you know, when you're a support act, you don't have as much wiggle room as you would as, as you would if you're a headliner, because then you can, you know, change your set and, and not worry so much about time and things like that. Um, when you're support act you know you, you have a certain time and you have to kind of you know we don't want to go over time we want to be respectful um and sometimes when you change sounds around that could be a factor um i like changing sets i think it's the last thing i want to do is play the same set every night i think it's you know we're not i always say we're not a broadway musical this is a yeah. rock band and we and we have a lot of records so we can play a lot of different stuff and um, I like that. Gonzo's not a, as much of a big fan. He's a little more, more <laughs> creature of habit, and he's like, I'm in a groove, and now you're changing it on me. And I get it. I understand that, too. So he kind of crumbles a little bit when I'm changing the set around a little bit. Sometimes it's geared to how my voice feels, you know, because certain songs are a little harder than others. 
Um, so again, you know, we'll see. I I don't I don't want to be playing the same exact set if possible by the time we get to you in Columbus, which is you know like basically a month away. Right. Um, but I don't you know I also don't want to change things if it's flowing well too. So sure. some of some of it's geared towards like the city we're in, and that's why I look at set lists. So like for instance, we're in Houston. The last time we played Houston was 16 with Queens Rice. Uh, that's been a while now. It was almost seven years, right? Uh, yes. 16, yeah, 22. So it was set, I mean, my math, six years, right? Six years? Yeah. yeah. It was in December, yeah. So it was, it was just about six years. I looked at the set. We were changing like five songs. Obviously, we're playing two new ones. So I think that's good enough to. I mean, you know, how much are people really sitting there scrutinizing this? Probably not. It's more my kind of OCD you know, anal thing than anybody else. But I do think we are going to play some different songs than we did play that night, if that yeah. is accurate, and um, it should be great. The internet, and that's great. That's a great use of the internet, right? A set list and and knowing like instantaneously people posting about stuff. I remember back in what was it, 80, whenever the Fraley's Comet album came out and I saw Ace Fraley in Cleveland at the Fantasy Theater and he made some some comment on stage, something like, oh, this is the first time we've played this song in this tour, the first time we've ever played this song or whatever, and, you know, makes the audience feel special. And like I said, there's no internet, so you don't know. And then I remember picking up Kerrang! magazine and seeing somebody saying something like, you know, a review of a show in London, and, and it said, and they debuted this song for the first time ever. And it's like, oh, man. It's the same stage rap everywhere he goes, and everybody oh. thinks it's true. And you couldn't, you couldn't fact check it at that time. So it's this sort of fun. Right. The internet now probably makes it harder for you to be able to uh, to improvise and and. Well, no, I, I try not, not to. Improvise, yeah. I, I I use some of the same you know uh, subject matter when it comes to talking on stage. Yeah. I, I certainly don't want to say the same thing every night because again, it's not a Broadway musical. I want to you know, feel like the people in Houston feel something more unique to their city than they would in Columbus or Albuquerque. So, I mean, I want to do that, but I want to feel like I'm in that city and give it its own unique thing. But, um, you know, it's funny with, you know, YouTube and everything else and shit, you know, this just happens like instantaneous. Like Jeff was showing me a picture of himself and I was like, when's that from? And he goes, that was from tonight. And it was literally like an hour <laughs> after the gig. I'm like, wow. So, yeah. And, you know, with YouTube, sometimes, you know, you, you can't have a bad gig because if you do, it's up there and, you know, it's there for everyone to see. And what do you get? But, I mean, you can have a bad gig and you will have a bad gig sometimes. Yeah. But uh, it's a, that's a bit of a bummer because before, you know, it was a King of Light performance. It was like a fleeting moment. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the way it is. That's the world we're in. Yeah. So I know you're doing like VIP meet and greets, and I'm not sure if you're also meeting people out in front of the bus before and after shows, but I'm wondering, has anybody brought anything for you to sign that you've been like, where did you get this? Like, has anybody pulled anything out of their archives or things that you haven't seen, any memorability that you haven't seen in 20, 30 years? Um, periodically, yeah, people will bring something that's, you know, just like you said, something that you haven't seen in a long, long time. Um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything recent. This guy had a photo of me and him the other day that was from the 80s. <laughs> I had long hair, and he had long hair, and both of us are much older and have much less hair than yeah. that photo. So that was pretty funny. It was it was cool. Um, yeah, you know, people pull stuff out of the woodwork that we have 
seen in a long time, like perhaps, you know, a, a single or um, like a radio version of something or, you know, maybe like an old T-shirt, I don't know, or, yeah. um, you know, something that maybe is uh, unique to that person, like a photo, like I said. Yeah. Um, it's always it's always entertaining. So because you started in, in the 80s uh, and there had to have been people – you know, in their 20s and 30s seeing you, and this has probably maybe happened a few times over the years, has anybody brought somebody to a show and introduced you to them and, and said, this is my grandkid? Grandkid? Well, I'm sure yeah. they have. I'm sure they have, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely people bringing their children now because, of course, they're, you know, they're in their 50s sometimes, sometimes 60s, um, so they have kids. And I'm sure they have brought their grandkids, you know, right. and that's not very unusual at this point for a band that's been around in their 40s. I mean, sure. in 40 years, almost. So, yeah, it's pretty funny when they, they bring, you know, it's really, really cool if somebody's bringing their kid, you know, because they're passing it on down to their to their kid, and that's that's really special. Yeah. So, grandkid, I'll, I'll keep my ears open for that, but I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> I interviewed I interviewed Jeff Tate one time, and he told me that, that you know, people that he had met early on in the Queensryche days, maybe even before Queensryche, that, that at some shows, he was running into those people, and they were like, I, I, introduce my kid to your music and now my kid introduced his kid and here's my grandkid. So that's natural, right? With it, with being around 40 years, you can't really escape that. It is, you know, it's, I mean, we, we can't deny our age. We're all in our late fifties and still, still rocking out. We enjoy we're outside uh, working out on the outside the bus, you know, a little while ago and trying to keep looking young and feeling young and strong so you can have great performances. Um, But you know, you are how old you are. Right. It's okay. You know, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of the internet and being a blessing and a curse, I looked at your Wikipedia page and uh, it mentioned that you were had a brief cameo in the Huey Lewis and the News Heart, and Ro- Heart of Rock and Roll video. That is correct. That That's amazing. Wikipedia, that is correct. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, we were on the same label at that point. We were just signed to Chrysalis. Huey was on Chrysalis. Um and we're making that video. The guy who I think was our A&R man at the time probably pitched me to do be in that part because it was a heavy metal dude who gets out of a limo in Hollywood and you know, kind of goes along with the second verse lyrics of that song. Yeah. And so I did it. I had way too much makeup on, which is not <laughs> how I normally dressed on stage at that point. But I did wear my costume that I was wearing at that time. So it's pretty funny. It'll forever be there and Huey and the, the band were great, and they were nice guys. And that was a great album, actually, for them. Sports, really, really big, popular record. Oh yeah, that was that was the first concert I ever went to, and it was like the one that I could get. I was an old enough to drive myself, so I talked my mom into it. She was a Huey Lewis fan, so that was the uh, the acceptable. My first real concert was Aerosmith, done with Mirrors tour with Ted Nugent, that I actually got to go to without a parent. It's <laughs> uh, uh, funny because we actually did some dates with Aerosmith on that tour. Oh uh, really? Yeah, we did. We played Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. We also played the Iowa Jam, which Aerosmith and Ted Nugent both played. Oh, wow. which, Yeah. So, I mean, we, that's funny. Yeah. So, in terms of 80s questions, if you don't mind, if I ask you a couple. Um, so, you were you started out and you're probably still in L.A. What, what bands uh, were you going to see, like, when you were starting out? Was it, like, the Quiet Riot Van Halen era-ish stuff? Well, that was when we got a little older and we were actually going to clubs and stuff when we could drive. Prior to that, I mean, I saw Kiss at Anaheim Stadium in 1976. We saw 
Queen and Vin Lizzy at the Forum. Wow. Uh, you know, 77, we saw ELO at Anaheim Stadium, 78 with Journey opening on the Infinity Tour. First tour was Steve Perry. We saw the legendary um, Van Halen, Black Sabbath, Boston, Sammy Hagar show at the Anaheim Stadium. I think that was 78. We saw Van Halen, Long Beach Arena, Aerosmith, of course, um, ACDC. Long Beach Arena was a really cool venue that uh, a lot of people played. Yeah. And um, we used to go to a lot of shows there, the Forum, of course, in L.A. Um, you know, all these bands inspired us and uh, that we kind of try to model a little bit of our style afterwards. And and then as time got on, you know, went on into the 80s and we saw Priest and Maiden and Motorhead and, um, you know, we saw Quiet Riot at the Starwood, which was a, a club in Hollywood. We saw them with Randy Rhodes. It was, uh, you know, there was a bunch of local bands that were really cool at the time bands like snow and um i'm trying to think who else uh a band like all the cart those were really fun shows that we would go to when we were seeing local bands at clubs and we were so young and just very inspired yeah and speaking of inspiration and this did not inspire but like what was the first maybe not the first but was it like which band really which which band really turned that like sunset trip into the lipstick and leather place was it Motley Crue was a poison. Like, who, um, sort of... yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Well, no, I think Poison came after Crue. Yeah. Motley Crue and Quiet Riot were kind of first. They were certainly before us. Um, you know, Hollywood always had a kind of thing, but Quiet Riot was actually playing probably in the '70s, and then Nikki was in a band called London, and they, yeah. you know, they kind of had that look. But Motley took it to a whole nother level. Um, I would say they probably were a big part of transitioning from the 70s to the 80s you know the 70s were a little bit more glammy um bands you know dressing accordingly and then by the 80s it got a little tougher with the the leather and and stuff like that and you know we we tried to take it to another level with our costumes where we incorporated the armor and things that look like armor and um you know and then it then it got a little bit glammy 80s glammy with like yeah. Like poison and and warrant and stuff, and by then we were kind of moved on a little bit from being a club band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were a few years before that. I was, I was gonna, I was wondering if you ever thought about, um, I don't know the right way to say, it, dumbing it down a little bit to be like those bands. Uh, well, you know, Armisen kind of always had a slight inferiority complex in the sense that we never really fit perfectly in with a scene and a genre you know we we were from la but we but we really didn't sound like those la bands i mean right, we, right. we we played with a lot of them wasp included rat gray white um steeler you name it but we didn't really sound like the la type sound we you know we really were more inspired by bands from britain and europe scorpions ufo and lizzie um so iron maiden at the time so we were we were a little bit more geared towards that style um but like i said we were from la so we were proud of being from la and we, we played all those places with those fans but um yeah. just were a little different and then so but we also you know it was also when the thrash movement was starting to explode and um even though we were very powerful live and still are um you know we didn't really fit into that you know with the exoduses and, and anthraxes and metallica and megadeth slayer vibe either because we you know, we would pull out a ballad and we would put out a bluesy swagger type song. So, um, you know, it, it kind of was a little frustrating because we weren't able to benefit from those two scenes that were both 
slightly trendy. Even I know it sounds funny to say the thrash scene was trendy, but it was. Sure. Um, and certainly glam, the glam scene was. And um, it wasn't until, like, probably <clears throat> we got dropping Chrysalis and writing songs for Symbol of Salvation, which eventually would become Symbol of Salvation, that we probably just really didn't care. And, and when we had that mentality, I think that's when we kind of found our true identity. Yeah. What would you say in that scene, was there a big break? Was there a show that you were asked to be on and that you got to open for somebody that caught attention? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, like, what, what, was there a particular show or like a, a, a maybe like a band that you opened for that, that brought people out that, that catapulted you to a level where people were starting to notice you? Was it a a show with Wasp? You, you play well, with Wasp after you already yeah, signed yeah. though, right? We, yeah, we play with Wasp at the Troubadour and we play with Rat at the Troubadour and the Country Club. But, but we got pretty popular in the L.A. club scene yeah. quickly, actually. We were fortunate. We were real, like, kind of... Um, grassroots and the way we promoted ourselves. I used to work at the um, original public storage home office and they had this really huge Xerox machine so I would just go in there during downtime and make thousands of flyers. <laughs> it would just inundate the city with our Armored Saint flyers and um, I think it was a, it really was a way to kind of promote ourselves and so our Popularity really increased quickly in L.A. Certainly playing with those bands, I'm sure, helped as well. Yeah. So getting back to the modern era, um, when does John Bush get to pull out or play your rock star card? Like, do, you ever, uh, do you ever use it to, uh, to to go see a band and get in, get good seats? Or, uh, like, I don't know how you might use that use that. Uh, I, John would come a rock star to, to, to your advantage. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of weird like that. I, I'm reluctant to do that. I always feel kind of embarrassed um, utilizing that. Um, my wife's like, dude, you have no connection. And um, it's true. Like, I, I hate asking people for things. I don't know. Just because if, then if I get rejected, I'm pissed. So <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a weird guy. You know, I've, I've changed a lot in my appearance through the years, of course. Um, so sometimes I'm just, I think I'm a little unrecognizable, especially if I have my glasses on or something, or, you know, just I'm not what you would expect or certainly connect with who I was, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so I get kind of I get kind of recognized in the weirdest circumstances, like I'll be in line at Costco and then somebody will be like, John Bush, you know, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. So, but like I could probably go to a rock show and nobody would know who I was. So it's, it's usually when I least expect it. Um, yeah. But you know, I I try to milk it a little bit, probably more on stage than anywhere because, you know, that's that's my moment. That's the time to really, you know, really bring out the the inner rock star. I don't I don't need to do it at Costco. Right, right. And the, you, I think you actually answered it. But that, I was going to ask the flip side of that is. Like, have you been at a record store somewhere where you're sure somebody's going to recognize you? Maybe, like, you pick up an Armored Saint record and, like, uh, this is my band, but then people don't notice you? I mean, I, that you should I be don't know about records, you... but certainly, like, somebody who walked right by me wearing, like, one of my shirts, yeah, <laughs> walked right by. And, I mean, that's again, it's, it's, that's okay, you know. It's, yeah. I'm not trying to be incognito, per se, but it just is what it is if if – if I get recognized and, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty friendly guy out there in the world. I, I really am. Um, I'm kind of an unusual person because I don't have any social media. I have no 
Facebook, Instagram, none of that. And yeah. It's just a choice. But, but like, if you catch me in the right situation, I'll chat with you for a while. And, um, but that's just kind of, I'm, I don't I mean, I'm not like overly private. I'm just probably, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just who I am. You know, I just, yeah. I, I'm certainly friendly in the right scenario. So. That makes sense. I was in New York City one time walking with my friend, and uh, we walked past the actress Kira Sedgwick. And I pointed out to my friend, I'm like, that, that was Kira Sedgwick that walked by. And my friend was like, yeah, but you didn't even realize that she was with her husband, Kevin Bacon. That's so he was invisible to me. Like, I didn't even see him. Right. Because everybody, you know, has the six degrees of Sedgwick, yeah. Kevin Bacon, you know. That's yeah. the same thing. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you had your eyes on Kira. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't be embarrassed about that, right? Right. So, um, so I know I, I read that uh, what you and, and I don't know if this is something you and your wife still do, but you do um, commercial casting. Is that something that you do during what, the quote unquote downtime? Uh, what was what I do? What uh, during downtime, like when you're not touring or writing? Uh, do you guys have like a you do something with commercials? Um, I did some voiceover stuff for a while. That was uh, it's been a while since I've done some of that, unfortunately, and. Um, I, my goal in the new year is to maybe find a new agent because I don't have one. I haven't had one for a while, but I have done a lot of voiceover in the past, but it's, um, it's been a little bit dry for a few years. So, yeah. um, it's a real competitive market. You know, it's, uh, you got big time actors doing that stuff now and they've just, uh, they've kind of squashed the little guys like me, but it's a fun thing to do. I've done lots of different things from commercials to, I even did an audio book and, it's cool. I dig it. Just using my voice in a different way. Yeah. So I don't know how old your kids are, but is that is that your downtime, your day job is, is being a dad? Um, a lot of it is. Yeah. I'm like my son's personal Uber when he <laughs> plays hockey. Right. We drive all over the city. I mean, I drive all over the state. It seems like, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time it's, it's, it's me driving and, yeah. um, listening to music or, um, sometimes just silence, but you know, it's, uh, that's probably a big part of my, life at this point is is being my son's personal driver my daughter's 18 now so she has her own car so that is not the case anymore with her not that i have any issues with it because it's time to be with my kids but yeah, you know yeah. yeah it's sort of wrapping it up so um in the neighborhood are do you do you is your is your circle of friends and the people you hang out with are they other musicians or are your friends like your son the the, the hockey dads and the, the the soccer dads and whatever sports you know your friend group, would you say, is musicians or is it neighborhood guys or friends that you made along the way? Um, I think it just depends on what where I'm at. Like if I'm at the rink, then I'm talking to those people. If I'm in the world of music, I'm communicating with those people. I'm lucky enough to have a lot of different friends and um, from a lot of different circles, and I really uh, cherish that. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's it just depends on and where I'm at. But you know, I'm lucky enough to. Uh, have a, a lot of friends who I've known a lot of them through the years. I mean, we still have the guys in Saints still have friends that we've known since we were like 10 years old, you know, sure. which is really crazy. So Yeah. The hockey dads all know who you are? You're, they do. You're... They've never really seen me perform, and that would be pretty funny. Hopefully they'll come <laughs> to the L.A. show, which is the last show of the tour, and uh, they'll get a kick out of it. They'll see like a whole other side to me, and I'm sure they'll be cracking up. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think I've run through all my questions. They weren't all that exciting, and uh, probably no, you didn't ask most ones. of them. But um, yeah, some good ones there, Chef. Well, I like I said, I'm I'm super excited. Uh, I've I've never seen I, I've never seen Wasp either, and that, which is stupid because I mean I grew up with all this music and I've seen 
all those bands you mentioned earlier. Um, so I'm I'm very excited about the, the show at the end of November. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Well, I'll see you in a, at the end of the month. All right, but make sure you say hi to me and you know reintroduce yourself to me so I can you know, go. Oh yeah, your ship. Gotcha. All right, brother. All right, thank you so, so much. Support. Okay, thank you. Thanks for checking out the Chip Chats podcast, and I hope you'll join me again.